This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Latner. From the locker room to the boardroom, Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drives results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll not only be a better person, but also a better athlete, coach, leader, parent, or spouse because of it. gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Amber Latner. I just want to start by saying thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our amazing listeners all over the world who have already downloaded and and taken the time to rate and review this podcast because our hope really is that this is going to continue to to grow and that we're going to be able to share some understandings about how our brain works and how we can better understand that as people trying to be great in this world. So from the locker room to the boardroom, helping people understand how our brain works and then give us tools and strategies to manage that and build the mindset that we know ultimately lead to consistent, excellent performance. Again, from sport to business to our home lives and to how we we live and and give in our communities. And so today we are on building block number four. Um, Again, we're in season one, which is called Building the Mental Performance Foundation. And this is built around a program that I've developed years ago and have taken several individual athletes and teams through in terms of laying a solid foundation for the mental game. Building block one, we looked at awareness, uh, which led us to building block two, motivation, which led us to building block three, confidence, which leads us now to building block four, intensity management. So each building block builds on the other and, and helps us navigate and lay this foundation that we know we can continue to build the mindsets that lead to optimal performance upon. And and what we know about intensity management is that in, in mentally tough individuals or, or high performers in any domain have a very clear understanding of when their bodies are in the right intensity level and how that then impacts and drives performance. And so from a science standpoint, we refer to this as arousal and the connection between arousal and performance. Um, but again, working predominantly with with football, basketball, and ice hockey athletes and in the corporate space, you know, arousal tends to get some giggles. So we refer to it more as intensity management. Um, but it is, again, scientifically re- referenced as arousal and performance. And so what we know about this connection is that as our arousal, as our intensity starts to go up, so does our performance. And so if we think about this on an XY graph axis, you know, you've got arousal intensity on your x-axis and performance on your y so if you think as as intensity starts to go up our performance starts to go up to a point and and then if we get too aroused too intense too amped up our performance actually starts to decline so we sort of have this inverted u look on an xy graph axis and so what this tells us is that there's a given level of intensity where our performance is going to be at its peak And as each individual, we need to find what is that optimal level, (laughs) which leads us sort of to a deeper understanding of, of this intensity management aspect is that every individual is different. And not only every individual, but 
every different task that we do also brings with it an optimal level of intensity for us to be at our very best. So, you know, what what we like to say, Coach McGuire down at Missouri, he always referenced this is, you know, for a given person on a given day, for a given task, under a given set of circumstances, there's a given level of arousal that will lead to optimal performance. Okay, so let's back that up. For a given person, so me, to you, to your boss, to your husband or spouse or significant other, again, different people, right? So so we all have a different energy level, a different um, d- different personalities, right? They're, they're going to vary this, this intensity level that will match. Um, so for a given person on a given day, right? So, so different days, we, we might've slept longer or shorter. And so there's going to be variances within our own bodies on, on different days that we have to be aware of and acknowledge, um, for a given task. Okay. So, so let's take me for example. So the task of interviewing someone on this podcast or, or even sharing, um, the, the intros and outros on the podcast is going to be different than when I'm in the gym working out, right? Which is also going to be different than when I'm in front of an audience giving a speech, uh, which is also going to be different than doing a team session in a locker room or or in a corporate boardroom. And so for so I need to understand what task is at hand here and what intensity level is going to help me optimize that as a given person on a given day um, with this given task with a given set of circumstances. Again, you know, who am I interviewing? Um, what team am I communicating with? What individual am I working with? And those different circumstances that exist, I'm going to need to navigate because I know that all of those different givens are going to equate to a different given level of intensity for me to be at my very best. And so that really lays the foundation for us to start considering, well, what level of optimal intensity do I need to get into for me to deliver? And so I like to, to have my athletes and, and the, the professionals that I work with think about this on a scale from one to 10, right? Where one is the, the lowest level of intensity and 10 is the highest. And, and I often give the, the example too, when we're looking at comparatives of Ray Lewis and Tom Brady, right? Like very different. So if you think pregame, you see Ray Lewis coming out of the tunnel. Right. And this dude is he's got war paint on. He's screaming. He's yelling. He's all fired up. Right. Ready to get his team out there to to execute. And then you see Tom Brady come out. Right. And he trots out holding his helmet. And you think, OK, OK, a little bit different than, than old Ray Lewis. Right. But. Both men, incredible athletes, incredible at their craft. And so we start to see how, okay, some some individuals function better at a, at a much greater level of intensity, whereas others need to be at a lower level for them to execute. Now, again, we see different individuals. So Tom Brady and Ray Lewis, very different personalities, but also very different tasks, right? Uh, Ray Lewis, when he was a linebacker, is very different than Tom Brady as a quarterback. And so um, they, they need to execute things differently. And so therefore, they, they need to have a different level of intensity so they can they can be and do their best. And and that's what I want us to start thinking about and considering. This Today, um, we're going to have the opportunity to talk with Dr. Pat Ivey. He's out of the University of Missouri, um, former Division One college football player and professional football player, uh, strength and conditioning coach at the top of his game, um, director of athletic performance, and now currently as a vice chancellor of uh, access and leadership at Mizzou. And so all these different domains that he's been in, even as an individual, he's had to learn to navigate what is my optimal zone here and what is my number and how do I find that number 
deeper and get into it. And so as you start to think about this, I want you to start to think about, pick pick a specific task that, that you do in your life, whether it's a, a sport or in business, and then start thinking about when when you were at your best. So try to identify a best performance in the past and think about, all right, what was my intensity level in that moment? And some of you might have never considered this before, and it, and it might be challenging. And so I challenge you to go experiment with this. Go into a board meeting with a really low level of intensity someday and see and engage the reaction of your team around you. What worked? How did it go? How did you feel in that moment? And and what was your performance like in that space? And then go into another one, really a higher level of intensity and experiment with that and see where am I really at my best? Where do my people respond to me at, at their best? And then start to learn that so you can get in your zone. So, so I, I, I mandate very few things from my athletes from the mental game because everybody again is, is different, but I do mandate that they all come to understand what is my optimal zone because we know that the best of the best know what that is and can get into it in in exact moment when they need to execute. This past week, I had to had the opportunity to give the keynote address at the Wisconsin Track uh, Track and Cross Country Coaches Association Clinic. And the other keynote, so the evening keynote address was given by Coach Harry Mara. And, and Harry Mara is the track coach for the best athlete in the world, right? Ashton Eaton, who won the decathlon gold medal in the Rio Olympics and also in the London Olympics. And and Coach Mara was, was Ashton's coach throughout the course of that. And this was critical for, for Ashton to be able to execute, you know, 10 different events that require different levels of intensity and, and arousal levels for him to execute. And so, you know, if Ashton went out and, and let's say in one of his throwing events, didn't throw optimally or maybe fouled, right, he had to be able to lock in to, to throw in that third throw for, for points, right? And so... They, he had to be so great at dialing this in because in the Olympics and the throws, right, particularly, we're talking about centimeters of difference here between gold and silver. And so, again, just helping our athletes and, and individuals understand that is as is, is pinpoint as you can get this and then train your mind and your body to get there to execute, this is going to be critical in driving performance. And, and Pat Ivey is going to share with us through all these different domains that he's been in, the importance of not only individuals understanding when they're at their best, but then coaches and, and, and colleagues also being able to recognize, hey, just because I'm a high level of intensity um, doesn't mean that those in my on my team are also high. And I need to, to learn what their optimal zone is and respect it so that we can all perform our absolute best today. Several years ago, I was having a conversation with uh, Tony Alford. He was coaching football at Notre Dame at the time. He's currently at Ohio State. And Tony was telling me about when he went from coaching running backs to wide receivers. And, and, and you know, all of a sudden he's got these wide receivers in front of him and he's giving this pregame pep talk and getting them all fired up and amped up to go out there. And all of a sudden one of his athletes yawns. And Tony said, I about went through the roof on this kid. We're out here trying to get ready for a football game and you're over there yawning. And the kid, God bless him, goes, coach, like, listen, I, I can't be that amped up. If I do, I'm not going to catch a football for you today. I just, I just got to tone it down a little bit. And Tony shook his head and, and, and left, the, left the locker room. But he said he went out there and, and he watched the kid and he played excellently. And then he started really thinking, you know, wow, okay. 
Maybe there is something to this this different level of intensity and each kid being different. And yawning actually is our body's natural reaction to try to increase the oxygen levels in our body, which then oxygen helps slow everything down, right? It helps us release muscle tension. It helps clear our mind. And, and this kid, that was his body's natural reaction to try to tone it down a little bit, get in his zone and execute. So again, as you start thinking about this in your own world, think about on a scale from one to 10, try to identify what is your number, right? And then, and then get in your zone. Um, one of the, one of the best ways to actually manage intensity, um, I'm going to share about a brief story from coach Phil Jackson, right? So when coach Jackson was with the bulls, they won all these titles back in the nineties. And then, and then he goes out to the Lakers. And so the Lakers are excited, right? They're thinking we about to get some bling because this coach, he's got some secret sauce on offense or, or some scheme on defense that, that we're going to be able to just really take it to the next level. And so coach Jackson is out there, you know, on practice for the first time and, and he calls the guys over. And so they all huddle around, you know, and they lean in And he's like, all right, gentlemen, I'm going to share with you about why the Bulls were so successful for so long. And they lean in again, about to get the magic, right? And he says they were successful because they knew how to breathe. And they're like, man, you've got to be crazy. Breathing? We all do that on a normal basis. But the bulls understood how to breathe properly and then use that breathing to help them stay in their zones. So a quick exercise that you can do to practice breathing, put one hand over your chest, one hand over your belly and take three deep breaths. And I want you to see which hand moves when you take those deep breaths. The majority of people tend to breathe through their chest. And so you'll see their shoulders go up or their, that hand that's on their chest move out. And actually, proper way of breathing is belly breathing, right? Or or, or I like to call it tactical breathing. And so that's where you draw air in through your nose, down into your belly. Your shoulders shouldn't even move, but your stomach should actually come out a little bit and then out through your mouth. So in through your nose, down into your belly, out through your mouth. And so what this does is your belly is not really expanding, but your lungs, now they can expand more fully out under your rib cage and completely fill with oxygen Again, that oxygen helps release that muscle tension, helps slow our heart rate down, helps clear our minds. And these are all the things that if we start getting too aroused, too intense, right, that belly breathing can help us dial it back, get back into our zone and be able to execute. Now, if you're if you're listening to this right now and you're practicing your breathing, you might even yawn, right? Because right now the, the, the probability of you being in a, in a high intense state is low. Um, so you're probably at a lower level anyways, sitting here listening, whether you're at your desk or perhaps if you're listening to us while you're working out, you are at a higher level. Um, but again, so if you yawn, right, because if you're currently at a three or four while you're sitting at your desk and then you start this belly breathing, now all of a sudden it's going to dial you back to a two and, and you're going to maybe start getting tired. But in the heat of performance, right, or pre-performance, and you start feeling that 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 energy, that excitement, um, taking some of those deep breaths can, again, help pull us back into our zone. Now, breathing on the other side can help us turn up also. And so tactical breathing is that slower breathing in through your nose, down into your belly, out through your mouth. 
that can help dial us back, but a way to turn up, right? I tell my, I teach my athletes in the workshops and, and trainings that I do. I give multiple strategies on how we can turn up if we're too low and, and then turn, turn back if we, if we start getting too high, but the opposite breathing, which is called power breathing, right? That's in through your nose and then fast, quick exhales through your mouth can help again, increase heart rate, get some, get the blood flowing a little bit and help you turn up if you need to, to get a little higher and, and you're not really there yet. Because I just hate hearing athletes and individuals say, well, I just wasn't feeling it today. I mean, what does that mean? That I, I don't have time for that, right? The best of the best don't have time for not feeling right. We're not always going to feel good. And yet we still have to show up and deliver, right? I, I, quite frankly, I don't care how you feel. I, and I do, I, I care about you as a person, right? But when it's time to deliver, it's time to deliver. And so if you just had a disheartening experience, if you just dropped a pass, or if your boss just yelled at you, or you just got an argument with your spouse, but you have something important to do, it's time for you to lock in, get in your zone, show up and deliver. And that's what the best of the best do. That is a championship mindset. And understanding these optimal intensity levels are a way for you to, to get in your zone and execute despite what's going on around or within you. And as a professional, in any domain, as an elite, as elite person in any domain, that's your job. Get in your zone, deliver and execute regardless of what's going on. And again, as we train our mind, as we learn different tools and strategies um, throughout trainings that, that we do with our, our corporations, our teams, or our individuals, these people are learning how to do that on a more consistent basis and more nuanced ways to again, get in that zone. But again, just for our listeners right now, start thinking about that breathing and understanding where am I at my where am I at my best from a, an optimal intensity level and then how can I use breathing to help me get there so in just a few seconds we're gonna we're gonna welcome Pat Ivy onto the show and again he's gonna share his experiences with everything that we just talked about in terms of understanding how intensity is linked to performance how Finding our right zone is is so important and then using breathing to get there. And we're going to hear some personal stories from him um, with the athletes he's coached and the professionals that he's been around. So, so stay tuned and we're welcoming Pat here in just a second. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome my friend, colleague, and former um, professor that sat on my dissertation committee, Dr. Pat Ivey. How are you, Pat? Good morning. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So a little bit of background on on Dr. Pat here, former um, Division One college football player at the University of Missouri, and then went on to play in the NFL for several years. Um, then got back into the strength and conditioning world and had an incredible career um, where he was named 2013 Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year. And you know, Pat, what I love about you is just your drive, you know, to be awesome at at everything you do. And so, you know, once you really mastered the craft of strength and conditioning, Pat went back and actually got his PhD in, in sports psychology under doc, Dr. Rick McGuire. So we were able to be trained under under the man, the myth and the legend himself, Coach McGuire. Um, and and actually served as the associate athletic director over athletic performance at the University of Missouri for several years. And, you know, I can 
tell our listeners that the the comprehensive integrated approach that Pat was really critical in developing within that athletic system is something in, impressive to see. Um, but again, just never quite satisfied. So he's currently the Assistant Vice Chancellor for Access and Leadership Development at the University of Missouri. And so coming at us today with a ton of different perspectives, including a husband and, and father of two beautiful little girls. And so Pat, I'm just really excited about you know learning and talking about building block number four intensity management with you because I think that you're going to be able to give our listeners a a really broad understanding of what this looks like in different domains. Um, But to get us started, I I want you to share with our listeners about the impact that this concept of intensity management had on the Missouri football program once your coaches started to get it and and get this idea of uh, arousal and performance or intensity, right? And, And that's links to performance and how everyone's is actually unique and, and individually um, zoned to optimize their performance. What, tell us about that. Well, we started as a staff first. Uh, you know, anytime you're introducing something to athletes, you they're going to pick it apart if you're not actually doing it. You have to, you know, you become hypocritical. So we started with ourselves first as a staff. We wanted to make sure we understood what, what uh, intensity management was. Um, we wanted to make sure that we understood what dialing it in meant. Mm-hmm. And before we, before we started implementing with the, with the team, we started with ourselves. We had to ask questions with um, ourselves and exactly what that, what that means. Because if, if your intensity is off and um, with the athletes, they're going to say, well, you're teaching us about intensity management <laughs> and your intensity is off. Like you can't show up at six o'clock in the morning and say, all right, guys, we got a workout today. No, you. it's like no, <laughs> six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we have a workout today. Right. And, and, um, and you know, and, and vice versa, you know, if, if it's a, hey, you know, guys, are, calm down, pay attention, listen up. And you go in and yelling and screaming and you want them to calm down and pay attention. That, that doesn't quite work. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and and uh, on days when when you're testing out in the weight room, you know, if you're playing some Frank Sinatra, that's probably not going to match intensity <laughs> management. Coach, you want us to to try to get some PRs here in the weight room, but you got Frank Sinatra on. Um, that doesn't fit. You, intensity management is off. Right. So we needed to understand it um, ourselves first before we uh, started implementing it with athletes. Once we started implementing it with athletes, we actually learned even more about it. I, I, I remember um, we had this starting cornerback, and we were getting ready for a 225 rep test, bench press test. And um, guys were getting worked up. They were getting jacked up, fired up. And um, he was doing the same, and he actually performed worse. So the next week, yeah, th- so the next week he uh, – he didn't do it, but he didn't tell anybody. He didn't get fired. He let everyone get fired up. He calmed himself down way all the way down and uh, did the best he had done during that training um, period. And he, yeah. he came to me and said, Coach, I think I learned something about myself. And he said, when everybody else has to get jacked up to do their best, I think I do best when I'm just calm. Um, it seemed like I get more reps when I'm calm. 
Absolutely. And Pat, you, I mean, you really hit it on the head there. We've got to really challenge our kids to experiment with this, right? Because, you know, I wish I knew this as a soccer player, because when I was little, if we're looking at this on a scale of one to 10, I for sure thought I was like a 10, right? And I'd get amped up and jacked up to go play. And, and it really wasn't until my junior year of high school that I figured out, you know, you're probably better at like a seven to a seven and a half. And if you could really tone that back a little bit, that intensity, you're going to be able to focus better, execute better, see the field better, all of these things. And so, you know, particularly in our in our high-intensity sports like that, some of our athletes do perform better lower. Can you give our listeners sort of a visual? If they were in the weight room that day, what would have they have seen this young man maybe doing to get himself mm-hmm. in that lower zone? Absolutely. He, he basically sat on the, the edge of the bench before he leaned back. Okay. Um, and he, would, he just put his head down. He had his eyes closed. Uh, you know, the music is, is loud, you know, the bass is, is pumping and, uh, he, he seemed to block everything out. You know, his teammates were there encouraging him, calling his name. Um, but he seemed to just control his breathing. Mm -hmm. I saw him taking some deep breaths. Um, and and he had his head down and his eyes closed. And then when he was ready, um, he just leaned back, he opened his eyes up and you could just see he was just in this calm state. And I'm thinking, You've got to get, come on, you've got to, be, you've got to get jacked up to do this. This yeah. is for a record here. And, you know, of course, because for me, that works. When, right. when, I, when I was an athlete or when I, when I still lift, I had a, the ability to get to different zones. And I, I could go w- very high on the intensity to, and perform well. And, and actually to perform well, I, I, I needed to get to that level. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it just taught me. And after that, we, we met as a staff. We had a staff meeting, a debrief session, said we, we talked about Carl. Carl was his name. Um, here's what happened with Carl today. Uh, Carl actually calmed himself down and did better and thought that that may work better for him. And but it, but it wasn't just about the weight room because he said, maybe I'm that way in other areas. Interesting. Maybe I'm that way on game day. Maybe maybe I should focus on being more uh, more calm and, and just and just kind of um, withdraw and, and not pay attention to what's going on around me and let the environment uh, take me take me away. What impact did that have on your staff? So when you guys walked away from that meeting, what mindset shift had happened in in everyone in that room? Well, we we started thinking about well, what about us? What, what about when? What am I? When am I better? Am I better uh, in different situations? Uh, I, I'll give you an example. Um, I, one of my hobbies is racing motorcycles. Okay. And and one of my assistants, um, strength and conditioning coaches, he he used to go and he would be my pit my pit guy. Okay. And um, before the race, I, I was using intensity management because it's intense. I mean, Absolutely. you're going over a hundred my hundred. 40, 50 miles an hour and a quarter mile. It's this, and you know, I've got this drag bike and, and it's got nice. nitrous on it. It's, and and uh, it's intense. Everybody's watching. The green, lights are yellow, 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 green. And I came back and uh, and I, I'm, I'm getting myself calm and trying to get in my zone so I can focus and react to the mm-hmm. lights and hit my shift points. And my assistant goes, hey, are you using that stuff? <laughs> The stuff that we're teaching the athletes. And I go, yeah, yeah, I am. He goes, I knew it. I could tell. 
and and I didn't realize it, but I was, and he recognized it because that's what we had been teaching the athletes. But it's something that we realized we were starting to implement in our own lives. But right. the athletes, they recognized that too, and they respected that. So I think you also touched on something um, that I want you to elaborate a little on, because this is one of the biggest challenges, right, is that a lot of coaches, a a lot of um, business executive leaders tend to be higher energy, high intensity, sometimes a little bit type A, and, and so therefore think that the same thing that works for them oftentimes, again, this higher level of intensity is what works for everybody, Particularly in an environment like football, I've been around a lot of coaching staffs and a lot of locker rooms and on a lot of fields where this tends to be the prevalent idea of the higher the better. And tell me your experience with that, Pat, um, as a man, as a director of strength and conditioning um, in the football world as both an athlete and a coach. All right. Well, so we we were implementing this with the football team all summer. Okay. Um, the, the players were practicing it. In practice. So once we got to um, training camp, the players were practicing, but the coaches had not been exposed. The football coaches hadn't been exposed to it yet because we implemented it in the summer and they're not really allowed to be around uh, very much in the summer. Um, So their first um, exposure, the football coaches exposure was first game. Okay. And I noticed something that was different that I think drove our coaches nuts drove them crazy <laughs> because the locker room looked different interesting um, what happened was kickers used to be they, they would be influenced by the defensive linemen you know the defensive linemen they're head button head button <laughs> each other head button the wall and offensive linemen they're doing what they do um quarterbacks are kind of you know more cerebral just you know kind of focus on the executing the game plan, the X's and O's and the kickers. Uh, they look more like golfers. Yeah. Uh, pre-game. And, and so we had this locker room with this wide range of, of guys that had been practicing how to get to the right level individually because mm-hmm. everybody's different. Everybody's different for a different task on a different day. Uh, With a given set of circumstances, your level of arousal or intensity management, your level of intensity needs to be dialed in for that task that you're doing at that time. And I was nervous. (laughs) I was nervous. So tell tell our listeners, though, what that locker room looked like before these guys learned that. Oh, well, it's I think what happened. What happens is you have to convince your teammates that you're actually ready. You're fired up. It's a big game. First game. So I'm fired up. So I'm gonna do something a little bit out of character. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna maybe say something, or I may um, I'm, I'm listening to some music that maybe you know that's that's really taking me out of my zone, and and, and where I'm probably gonna de- my performance is gonna be decreased. But we're there was people would put on a show for each other gotcha. to make their teammates to help themselves and their teammates feel that they were ready. To, to go out here and, and play. <laughs> okay. And so now you have a wide range. Right. We had we had some guys. Um, one one tight end that, that uh, he's still playing in the NFL, I believe. Um, but he used to go to sleep in his locker before the game. <laughs> wow. I, and I've seen it before. I, I, I played in a, in a locker room with Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders would be sleeping in the locker room 
Interesting. Like, I, I don't understand how can, we're getting ready to play a football game and you have you brought your pillow and <laughs> it's literally brought your pillow and you're in your locker sleep. And uh, this guy was an All-American yep. uh, player and he did he did what he needed to do. But th- the impact is your teammates around you give you space for mm-hmm. you to get ready and That's you don't huge. have to posture for each other or pretend or make up this uh, false scenario that I'm ready to play this game. No, we've all been trained how to dial it in. We've all been practicing how to dial it in. We all know how what works for us, and let's everybody get themselves ready. That's accountability. We know everybody's getting themselves ready to play. That, that's the definition. That's absolutely right. Accountability is doing the right thing in the right ways when you're supposed to do it. And 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 the thing that I've seen with the, my athletes as well, and even my coaches, is that this just increases their sense of personal responsibility, right? Like now it's not, well, I, I wasn't feeling it today, or um, I don't know, man, I just, it, it, I didn't have it, or I got, I got, it was too much. The, the pressure was too much or the, the environment was too much. It just got too amped up. And, and so, no, now they're equipped, right? And they have this yes. sense of like, okay, no, I know what my zone is. And this is about me and me getting in that to perform my best today. And so when every individual starts to do that and we start to have trust that every individual on our team is doing that, now it looks a little bit differently, but there's a greater sense of personal responsibility, increased accountability, and that translates translates to W's at the end of the day. Um, tell me your tell me your coach's reactions as they started to see this happening. Well, I I, I was reading their body language and I was like, we, we don't need the coaches projecting their nervousness. If if they're nervous, because I was, and I'm thinking like, well, I, I I think I know what they're doing, but I'm not for sure, and I, I need to make sure that I'm not looking nervous in front of them because athletes will look at their coaches and, and get that feedback from, the, from just body language. Yep. And, um, you know, I just, I just remember reassuring the coaches like they're ready. They're going to, they're ready. They're, they, they're getting themselves dialed in. And, uh, coaches are kind of look at me like, how do you know they're getting themselves <laughs> dialed in? We've been practicing it. We've been, they've been practicing how to get themselves dialed in. So, and, and that's what we saw. We saw, um, and, and the feedback that we got the day after the game, was incredible. Um, so what what I thought we were seeing is what we it, 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 that's what they were doing. What were what getting, feedback so, did you get? Sh- share with our listeners. Um, just well, s- some guys thought that they weren't in their zone. They need to use some different breathing techniques to get themselves in their zone. So whether that was up or down, mm-hmm. um, some realized that they needed to actually get physically stretched out. Um, and then they could stretch themselves out and get themselves ready. So some some of it was physical, some of it was physiological, some of it was mental. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people talked about different soundtracks or that they would listen to in their headphones. Uh, if if they realized that they they were too uh, their their respiratory rate, they were breathing too hard. They would br- they would play some more calming music yep. and, and get themselves back down to where they need to be. Some people said. I need to get myself jacked up. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I can get myself jacked up, ready to go, and um, put on some music that's more up tempo, more upbeat. Yep. And uh, yes. Did you did your coaches have to make an adjustment in how they approach pregame because of that? Or did you see any shifts with them at all? I believe I I think that the adjustment they made was just kind of backing away because coaches tend to want to make sure that the players are ready to play. They mm-hmm. know they prepared all week. We 
and we practice all week, they want to make sure that they're ready. And once they realize that these the players had some some tools and some skills that 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 they didn't have before, they gave the players room awesome. uh, pregame to get themselves ready because I think everyone had more confidence in being ready to play. The, That's the, the huge. Coach, yes. Awesome. So we've talked about this intensity management as it relates to pregame, right? And getting in your optimal zone, really finding out what that is and navigating that, practicing it, right? So that it becomes something that you can do on command. Um, now let's talk about it in mid-game. Okay, mid-performance, we're playing, we're going, we have a great play. All right, we're so excited. We're all amped up, just caught a touchdown in the back of the end zone to, to put us ahead. Or or let's say we just dropped a pass. And so now our arousal goes the other direction. Mm-hmm. Tell me me how you started training and conditioning your guys to mentally manage that intensity throughout the course of a game and the highs and lows that that invariably exist in performance what we we taught them how to park it and refocus okay and that and park it and refocus means um whether it's good or bad it's you have to get ready for the next play so you park what happened until you until it's the appropriate time to go back and get it. So the appropriate time time might be at halftime. It might be the quarter. It might be at the end of that series when you're on the sideline and you can talk with your teammates and coaches about what just happened. But when you're out there on the field, first down, second down, third down, you have to let what just happened go and mm-hmm. get to the next place. So we, we told them they had five seconds to uh, to to think about what just happened, and then they have to move on. Um, so you get five seconds, good or bad. So you caught a touchdown, you get five seconds, and then move on. You dropped a pass, you, um, someone caught a touchdown on you, uh, you gave up a sack. Whatever it is, you've got five seconds. So whatever you need to say, do, and, and uh, with, with, with reason and under con- with some level of control, right. you've got five seconds. And, and we would the players would help themselves. Hey, park it, refocus. Hey, let it go. Well, uh, we also noticed that the players would, hey, coach, park it, refocus. <laughs> so you have to be ready for that. You have to be ready uh, because you're an example. If 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 right. you're losing it, and and they need to get ready for the next play, and and you're still yelling at them from the sideline, it's like, coach, park it, refocus. I got to get ready for the next play. That play's done. It doesn't mean that we forget about it. It just means it's not going to help me right now on this play unless it's an adjustment I can make really quick. Right. Uh, and, and to, yes. So and what impact did you see on performance because of that? And so it's because I think that's the that's the critical part, right, that we start to see that, that training our mind, training our emotions and, and being able to to manage that intensity level has an impact on performance. So so what did you notice as a result of this park it and refocus um, conditioning that you went through? I believe an increased level of of concentration because allowing those uh, bad plays, exceptional plays to to linger was a distraction, a distraction to the next play. It it just it helped with the concentration. Uh, It helped with the guys being able to um, from we called it from the whistle to the snap. They had the ability to uh, deactivate. Um, and then refocus and then reactivate to be ready for that next play so they can get back in their zone. They, they would be able to make whatever checks, adjustments that need, they needed to make, and they had more time to get that done. 
right. uh, if, you're, if you're not thinking about what, what happened on the last play. Awesome. I love it. Um, now let's, so, so you made a comment earlier that is great sports psych lingo that, that we learn in sports psychology, but then we often share with our, our coaches and athletes. And I want you to, to think about it in your own world. So you said, you know, for a given person on a given day with a given set of circumstances, there's a given level of arousal that is going to lead to optimal performance. And so that's, that's again, Hannon's theory of individual zones of optimal functioning, right? And, and again, different people, different tasks, um, different situations, require a different level of that intensity to execute. So take us into your own life a little bit and and maybe share a story or two about when you were in your optimal zone um, and maybe what different zones are required for you as a player, as a coach, or as a husband, father, and now, you know, vice chancellor. What, what are some differences that you've experienced personally in those different domains and perhaps how have you managed those? Um, you know, I'll, I'll give an example example um of a player that was much better than me uh, <laughs> i was with the san diego chargers and junior Seau was on the sideline and i was standing next to him i was a rookie it was my first mini camp and i was used to arriving on the practice field you're 100 focused your intensity level it must be at the highest and the best the entire practice and mm-hmm. probably halfway through practice, my intensity would it, it's a struggle to keep the intensity I needed to keep because typically the, the most intense part of practice is, is toward the end. <laughs> right. And and I, I noticed something about Junior Seau. He was laughing, joking, having fun on the sideline. And as soon as they called one defense, he snapped his helmet and it was like a switch was flipped. And I couldn't believe it. I said, there is no way. How do you go from? having just fun and being relaxed on the sideline like that, you can't go in there and then perform. You, you, you're going to mess up. You're going to you're gonna blow an assignment or something. That's not what I learned after that first minicamp of watching Junior Seau. He, I never saw anyone flip a switch so fast. That's awesome. Uh, and and to, be, to be deactivated. To, and it was, it was really, I think him snapping his helmet was a trigger for him right. to intensity, focus, uh, um, intensity management, get in the zone. And as soon as he came back on the sideline, undid his chin strap. And he was this guy who had all the jokes, um, funny guy. And, and I thought, wow, I got I have to learn how to do that. that yeah. I'm that, that. that shift is powerful. And and like you said, I love those little triggers, right, that we can put into the course of of our performance. Again, whether that's on a football field or on an ice rink or in a corporate setting, you know, how how do we switch and lock in? So when I was at Mizzou with Pat, I would go to their morning workouts. Um, what was it, 530 or 6am? That, that, that start. Yeah, and so one thing I noticed actually was, so these groups were mixed, right, from freshmen to seniors. And one thing I noticed is Pat and his staff would, would go out on the field at 5 30 or 6 a.m and they'd be all amped up all intense jumping around you know enthusiasm right stoners yelling enthusiasm and and everyone's jumping around and getting getting up getting up for practice and then all of a sudden it'd be like locked in and focused and you'd give them a quick message on you know what the objectives were for the day and what the next step was and i just noticed that the seniors they're up they're up they're up they're up and as soon as you shift boom they're locked in and shift the little freshmen are like they're still sort of jumping around and then they're looking around like wait what what's happening how do we how do we go from happy and jumping to like really 
really serious. And so again, that just goes to show that this is a conditioned thing that we can train our mind and our arousal and our intensity and our emotions to switch like that. And when we do, right, we're able to conserve that energy. And and so Pat, like you mentioned, you're able to get through practice for the the entire duration of practice. And everybody's is going to look a little bit different. Junior, you know, was someone that that had that humor, right? That that he could use that to to create a space that he needed to be in. I'm not a humorous person necessarily, um, but you know, how could how can I adjust and adapt um, to have those switch and, and to be able to lock in? And again, the importance of training this because we can see just in those freshmen to seniors the difference in their ability to to make those shifts and those adjustments. Talk to us about how your optimal zone looks in your role now as an assistant vice chancellor versus when you were the director of athletic performance, perhaps. Well, I'm I'm still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, this morning, I, I this morning I had um, it was interesting. I didn't know which gym I have. I have the ability to go to different gyms and work out, and it was going to be a big squat day for me. I was going to hit a significant amount of weight, uh, probably close to about 500 pounds. And I went to uh, one gym and got an invite to go to another gym. So this was at six o'clock this morning. And I packed up my bag. I I got a good warm up and I thought, well, I'm going to go to this other gym. So I deactivated, (laughs) packed up, got in my in my truck, drove to the other gym and dialed right back in and finished up with um, five, 500 for, for one at a below parallel box squat. Wow. Uh, you know, and, and then after that, I, I left that, I came home, I cooked breakfast now I'm sitting doing a webinar and, and then I'm, when I'm done with the, with this, I'm going to, uh, put on a suit and then I'm going to go into work and I, and I'm going to have meetings with other, uh, people on campus. So it, it having the ability to have to, 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 turn the switch on or off or adjust the switch is something that I, I constantly use because you can't um, you, you can't go into those meetings with the intensity it takes to, to squat big weight. You can't, that's yeah. not a good idea. Not a good idea. Not at all. Right. <laughs> and so but but here's the other thing that I, I think I really want to encourage our listeners to consider is is a lot of what I heard in there, too, are there's moments of transition. Right. And so I think that if we can learn to optimize our transitions between, you know, whether you're lifting and then on, you know, doing a, an interview and then going into a corporate setting, what what do we do between each of those moments and how can we use transition periods as times to, like you said, deactivate and reactivate. And if we're intentional about that, now all of a sudden we're going to increase our efficiency, right? Increase our ability to get things done, to connect with people on very different levels and very different spaces and in all in zones of optimal functioning, right? Of, of intensities that match the moment, that match the task, um, that match the people that we're around and ultimately are going to help lead us to optimal performance, both for ourselves and those with, with whom we get to interact. Mm-hmm. How about how about as a dad? What does that look like for you? What would you say your <laughs> optimal intensity is when when you're with the girls? Oh, I, um, yeah, um, I'm wrapped around their fingers. Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so whatever they're wanting, that's where dad's gonna get. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 different. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, my daughters are 12 and 14, and and they've uh, they've come to work with me before. And, uh, I remember, I think a few summers ago, 
uh, right in the middle of the football field. My oldest daughter thinks she was 12 at the time. And I needed to get some some of the football players' attentions that were way across the field. And I'm t- I when I when I opened my mouth, she must have jumped a foot <laughs> off of the ground uh, because she wasn't used to that. She wasn't. That's that's I don't bring that home. Right. Um, right. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that was hilarious uh, because you, you can't that level of intensity is, is something you don't need to bring home. It's a. Uh, you know, um, and I think sometimes uh, people may struggle with that. Right. You know, I, not knowing how to turn it off. How do I turn? How, I need to be intense tomorrow. So when I go home, how do I turn it off? Because I may not be able to turn it back on the way I need to the next day. And the, the level you, that that hurts your. You can't be. You have to be confident that you can do it. So you have to practice it. You right. have to practice. Um, it may be, you know, I would listen to jazz music, um, and I wouldn't listen to jazz music any other time of the day. And I don't usually listen to jazz music, but if I was going home and I realized that I I am still excited, too excited, (laughs) amped up, I'm too amped up, turn on some jazz music on the way home. And by the time I get in the driveway, I'm right where I need to be. So that's powerful. uh, and just like in the morning, if I needed to listen to some gospel music or if I needed to turn on some hip hop or whatever I needed um, to, to get into the zone at driving in at five, five thirty in the morning. That's what I did. I, I would use music to get myself ready to perform my best as a coach. And and again, that's powerful. There's been a ton of studies done that show the impact of music on arousal levels and intensity. And so, you know, for listeners out there, that is that's a great strategy. Those car rides home or to work, you know, how are you using those wisely to get into the right zone so that you can show up and, and be your best, whether that's in the office or or at home with the wife and kids or, you know, husband and kids. And so Excellent, excellent example, Pat. I really appreciate that. And again, just coming from somebody who's so accomplished um, as you in so many different domains, we really just appreciate your time um, for being on here today. And again, the the title of the podcast is Building Championship Mindsets. And so our hope is to really um, give our listeners the mindset, right, or the patterned ways of thinking about these different elements or about different things in life in general, um, the way that a champion does, right, the way that you have in, in all of these different domains. So our final question if you would just share with our listeners, what is your mindset on intensity management? Well, there, the, my mindset is there's there's a given time, a give uh, for circumstance, a situation. You need to learn how to dial it in, and and to bring your best, you can dial it in. It's but it takes practice. And whenever I'm not there, I want people around me to be able to help me to recognize if I'm not. Um, where I can be to help them and make the situation be the best it can be. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pat Ivey. We really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to, to working with you again very soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Have a wonderful day. Bye.
You know, it's always an honor and a pleasure to talk to Pat. He and I had the chance to work together a lot at Missouri and, and actually together um, created um, the McGuire Ivy Latner model of mental toughness. And so that's been published in Training and Conditioning, and we encourage you to check that out. Um, you can look for it online. There's an online article, um, again, about how we built the model of mental toughness, how we leveraged it in the athletic department at the University of Missouri, and really use that to inform our thinking about how do we build mental toughness in, in our athletes. And so um, this, for me, this mental performance foundation, so season one is a component of building mental toughness in our athletes. And so that's going to give you really an overview of how we conceptualize mental toughness and, and how we build it in our student athletes. And specifically, as we look at intensity management, that fits within the model of mental toughness. And, and Pat also actually published a book that I encourage you to check out. It's called Complete Conditioning for Football by Pat Ivey and Josh Stoner. And so check that out on Amazon, um, because I think, again, that looks at this complete conditioning. And as we talk about, you know, building the mental game, we understand that that's in conjunction with the physical, technical, tactical, other elements of performance. And so, you know, whether that's sport or business, there's physical components to, to how we perform our, our jobs, right? There's technical aspects of how we perform our tasks at work. There's tactical aspects or, or sort of, you know, tactics are really understanding strategy and situation and then the mental side of training. And so that complete conditioning for football is a look at how they they developed that and, and sort of their model and approach to it. So again, I just encourage you to check that out for him. He's an incredible mind, incredible experiences as an in, individual and someone that can really positively inform how you think about um, your role. And for those specifically in the football world, definitely a great resource to check out. So again, um, again, thank you, Dr. Pat Ivey, for your time looking at building block number four, intensity management. And so to leave you with your mindset training, again, each episode, we leave you with mindset training that you can do to start conditioning your mind. All I want you to start to do is practice getting into different zones of your optimal functioning for the different tasks that you have. I love how Pat referenced, you know, his his job is different than his home life. And understanding that his intensity and, and how he is and who he is in those different spaces needs to ebb and flow in accordance with, with those that he's trying to bring his best self to um, is really important. And so think about what are the optimal zones that I need to be in and the different roles that I have. And then and use those transition moments like Pat shared about his drives to get there and, and start to use breathing as a mechanism to turn up or turn down. And, and like Pat referenced, music works as well. And, and start to incorporate those elements to help you get in your zone, not only pre-performance, but also throughout the course of a performance. So again, thank you so much for your time. If you would jump on over to iTunes and rate and review us, we'd really appreciate that. Feel free to share on any social media that you have um, with your constituents and clients and followers that you think might find value in learning the championship mindsets that drive success. I've been your host, Dr. Amber Latner, and so from the locker room to the boardroom, I challenge you to continue building your championship mindset.